Well, we are going to be continuing in our series on Acts, the Holy Spirit in the church. And this morning, we're going to be looking at spirit-filled ministry. If you remember uh, last week uh, or a couple weeks back, we began from the, the discussion on Holy Spirit-filled ministry and Holy Spirit-filled leadership, and today we're going to be looking at Stephen's life. Last week we saw that Stephen was one who was accepted into leadership, one of the Hellenistic Jews who was asked by the apostles to take care of the Hellenistic widows, one of the seven men. And here we see a little bit more of a glimpse of his life before he gets to his great sermon. We see the ministry with which he lived in. And so we are going to be in Acts chapter 6, looking mostly at uh, 6 verses 8 through 15. But when I think of the idea of Holy Spirit-filled ministry, the person that comes to my mind pretty quickly is D.L. Moody. And I I know I've shared a little bit about D.L. Moody's story before, but D.L. Moody was an amazing preacher. He was an amazing evangelist. There's a college named after him, Moody Bible Institute, and he did incredible things. He was actually a contemporary alongside of A.B. Simpson. They were doing their ministry together and knew of each other uh, and spent a little bit of time together with one another. But when he, he was interviewed about his ministry and the power with which God was using him, they, they asked him a question about how, how is it possible to see this, this type of growth or this type of fruit in your ministry? And he said, well, you know, early on I developed really good sermons. I preached my heart out. I preached my brains out. I preached all my energy out and, and it seemed like nothing was happening. It wasn't until I met face-to-face the Holy Spirit and was filled with the Holy Spirit that I began to see this type of fruit. He said, after I was filled with the Holy Spirit and realized the importance of the Spirit's role in my life as a minister and as a person, that's when the fruit began. I preached the same sermons, he said, word for word, the same exact sermons. But because the Spirit of God was leading me and guiding me and directing me, fruit happened. And I share that story because we're going to look at a very similar issue of the Holy Spirit in ministry in the life of Stephen. You see, you and I, we need the Holy Spirit in every aspect of our lives, and that includes ministry. (laughs) You might say, well, no, duh, that's a a no-brainer. But the importance of the Holy Spirit cannot be overstated in the role of the life of the believer and in ministry. Because ministry empowered by the Holy Spirit is powerful and effective. If we want eternal impact when it comes to ministry as a church or as individual believers, eternal impact will only happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not you, it's not me, it's Him. And that is one of the things that we must continuously grasp and we will see throughout this entire book of of Acts, the Holy Spirit shows up, empowers those who are ministering and their great ministry happens. It's powerful and effective. But oftentimes, as we've been saying in the past couple of weeks, we neglect the importance of the Holy Spirit. We neglect to understand what his role is in our lives. We talk about the Father and the Son, and that is amazing because we need the entirety of the Trinity. But many times we neglect the truth of the Holy Spirit, one-third of the Trinity in our lives, and we cannot do that. So we're going to be looking at Holy Spirit-filled ministry. The question then is, what is Spirit-filled ministry, and how do we walk in it? 
Well, we are going to be looking at Acts chapter 6. And I'm going to read a little glimpse of uh, verse 5 and then move on from, from there to 8 through 15. And you do have your Bible in your seat backs now. If you want to pull that out and feel what paper feels like once again, uh, you can. It'll also be on the screen. Uh, those of you who are online, it'll be on your screen. It'll also be on the screen behind me. The word of the Lord. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Moving to verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrians and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom at the spirit with which he was speaking. In the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Here we see a glimpse into the ministry of Stephen. Before he is stoned in the following verses, we see how God was using him in a remarkable way. And we see that in the beginning of Acts 6, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and with faith. And this is what empowered the ministry we see in Stephen's life. And I believe that you and I, we can see this in our own lives as well. There are five indicators that we're going to unpack when it comes to spirit-filled ministry. Five indicators that we can see and say, wow, that is spirit-filled ministry. And we need to seek to surrender and say yes to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can see these indicators not only in our church but in our individual lives because each and every one of us are ministers of the gospel. The first indicator that we can see is the indicator of favor. Spirit-filled ministry always has the Lord's favor. It always has the Lord's favor. Spirit-filled ministry always has the Lord's favor. You can say, how can you say the word always in that aspect? Well, I can say the word always because spirit-filled ministry is ministry that is led and guided by God himself, and we are walking in the will of God when we are spirit-filled doing ministry. So his favor will always be upon that. Look at what it says in this passage about Stephen in verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power. Williams explains it this way, Stephen is described as a man full of God's grace, a phrase capable of bearing the double sense of enjoying God's favor and of being gracious himself toward others. And the Greek word here is charis, and the word can mean favor, the grace that God puts upon a person. And I really believe that when you unpack what follows next, what Luke follows up that, that, that phrase with, we can see that he's talking about the favor of the Lord. Because we see that many great things were happening, great signs and wonders. And people were hearing the message of Stephen, so much so that many people were talking about Stephen's messages and it was frustrating and angering those in the Hellenistic Jewish society. 
They're the ones who seized him. They're the ones who threw him before the council to judge him. And they couldn't beat his wisdom. And here's one thing that's interesting too. When it comes to the favor of God, not only are some things happening, but Luke makes a point to say the word great. Great works are happening. Luke doesn't always use descriptive terms. If you read the book of Luke, he doesn't always use those descriptive words. But here he makes a point. And he says these works were great. And the Greek word for great is the word megas, which means large, huge, surprising, or important. And we use this in our own vernacular in uh, American language, right? We say that was a mega awesome thing to happen. You might not use the word mega as often, but it does happen in our own language. We have transferred that to our own world in our own English language. But in the Greek, it's this huge, magnanimous thing. And he's saying Stephen was filled with grace and with power and great things were happening. Do you want great things to happen in the ministry with which God has put you? Do you want great things to happen in the church that we have here at Indiana Alliance Church? Yeah, you do? I do. I pray for that. I desire God to do great things. But here we need to have the favor of the Lord by being spirit-filled where God's hand is upon it because he is leading and guiding and directing that which we are called to. Not only do we see the favor as it comes to the signs and wonders, we also see many people coming to Christ. Wagner states, these signs and wonders drew widespread attention to Stephen's message of salvation and large numbers were responding. We as American Christian state, we desire to see people really come to Christ then we need to be people who are spirit-filled in and for ministry. See, God's favor was proven upon the ministry of Stephen because people were coming to salvation in Jesus. We saw in the verses before last week that multitudes were coming, that the, the people were multiplying as they were coming to Christ. It wasn't just addition anymore. There was exponential transformation in the church that was transpiring. And Stephen was one of those ministers who were spirit-filled, who were being led and used by God to, to preach the message of salvation. And many were coming to Christ. That's our heart, isn't it? To see people come to Christ? Isn't that our heart? Isn't that our desire? To see as many people as possible come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, as we, has found, as we have found him as ours? That is the heartthrob of the church. That is the reason why churches were planted. Paul set churches there in those different towns to be missionary movements, to minister to those, those towns and those areas. And that's why we're here. The church is here to spread the gospel of Jesus. But you and I, we cannot do that without spirit-filled ministry. We cannot do it on our own. Stephen did not rely upon himself. He relied upon the Spirit's filling. He was a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. One of the things I love about this as well is when you look at who Stephen was, he wasn't an apostle. Stephen was just a regular guy, a Hellenistic Jew who came to faith in Jesus Christ because of the ministry of the apostles. He was just an ordinary guy. But here, because the Spirit of God filled him, he was doing extraordinary things. Because the Lord uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. 
Many times we look at the Bible and we say, well, of course they're doing amazing things. They're the apostles. They, they were in the early church. Of course, they're, they're doing things great in ministry. The megas that's happening in their life. They're Bible figures. They're people that were then. But if you really dig into their lives, they were ordinary men and women. The apostles themselves were stinky fishermen. You saw in Acts 5 that they were uneducated. They didn't have a theological background to brag about. But the Lord used them. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit, God used them to transform Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Just because you feel ordinary doesn't mean that God can't use you. We can never look at ourselves and say, oh, God can't use me. Because if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the, the truth of the scripture is God can use and will use anyone if we just say yes to the Spirit of God. When he leads and guides and directs, we say yes. We surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit and say yes. We say yes, I will follow, I will go, I will do what you've called me to do. That's exactly what Stephen did. I don't think Stephen, when he was growing up, thought, I'm going to be a great preacher. I'm going to have this really great movement. I'm going to be a part of this really great thing. He probably thought, I'm just going to be an ordinary guy. But God used an ordinary guy to do extraordinary things. And it's important that we grasp this right now. Because Luke in the book of Acts purposefully points out the ministry of Stephen as a non-apostle. This is the very first time, but it's not the last time, that Luke will point out that there are those who are not apostles, who are spirit-filled, doing apostolic, incredible, evangelistic, powerful ministry. Which means that it's not just the apostles. He's trying to say it's the whole church. That we're all involved in this ministry. We're all involved in being spirit-filled and doing that which he has called us to. The second indicator of spirit-filled ministry is the indicator of power. Spirit-filled ministry sees the power of the Spirit displayed. We see in Acts 1.8 that there was a promise that when the Spirit came that we would be filled with power. The empowerment to do that with which He has called us to do. The CMA was founded upon the belief that we are to be spirit-filled, spirit-led people who do powerful things in the name of Jesus to lift His name up to see people come to Christ, that we will walk in our gifts, that we will move in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in and of ourselves, but simply as vessels. We started with a huge healing movement as a denomination. We saw many people healed from crazy diseases. If you look at the history of the CMA and what God did in that time and continues to do in the CMA throughout the world, you will see a miraculous, powerful movement. But in our time, in our society, here in the Western church, we have seen a slowing of those miraculous things. We've not seen the same amount of power that we saw in the past in the Great Awakening or the early church or even when we saw our, the beginning of our movement. I believe God wants to revive that type of power ministry. That, that what Stephen saw and what Stephen did is should be ordinary for the church. 
Spirit-filled life, Tozer says, should not be something that is extraordinary. It should be ordinary in the life of the believer. But for us, we look at people that are doing spirit-filled ministry and say, wow, that's extraordinary. All of us should have the same feeling. I love saying there's no junior Holy Spirit. No one gets a tinier Holy Spirit than anyone else. We all get the same measure of the Spirit of God that Jesus himself had that rose Christ from the dead. This is all throughout scripture. It's consistently told to us over and over and over again, but we don't grasp the promise. We're not saying, yeah, I believe that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk and move in the power and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do what he's called me to do. Paul Hill states, the spirit and power are closely linked and led him, that's, that's uh, Stephen, to perform signs and wonders among the people. Signs and wonders. That's a miraculous story of what God was doing. And through what he was doing in those signs and wonders, people believed in Jesus Christ because there could have been no other way that this was possible. And Stephen consistently gave glory to Jesus. He's saying, listen, you see this thing happening? This is Jesus. This was the result of Jesus' death and resurrection. You can have healing, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually because Christ died for you. And he proved his power through the resurrection. Amen? And there's no denying the resurrection happened. Though many people have tried, there has never been anyone who's been able to officially disprove the resurrection. Why? Because it happened. And everything that Jesus said is true. The resurrection proves the truth of Jesus' words. And if Jesus says that we are to be filled with power from on high through the Holy Spirit, we better own that and say, yep, that's true. Because Jesus said it. If we say, no, that's not true, what we're saying is that Jesus wasn't speaking the truth. And that's wrong. (laughs) We need to see God move in our day. I believe that the Lord is going to bring a revival to the Western church again. I believe that the Holy Spirit is on the move. I've seen it in in some of our local churches here in the CMA, Western Pennsylvania, where there is a cry and a heart and a prayer saying, God, come and move again. Use us as vessels of your ministry to this world. May we stop being lazy and lackadaisical about our faith, but get us in boldness, get us moving, get us going forward. And I believe that that's the urge that God has put upon my heart for our healing service, where we will talk to people that don't know Jesus and invite them to come. Say, you know what, you have, a, you have an emotional or physical ailment, let's come to this service and let's see what God can do for you. Let's see Jesus move in your life. And when he does, you better bow down to the king of kings because he is the king. I believe God is going to do a remarkable thing on August 29th and continuously as we pursue his face. The three things I'm praying for as we come to our deeper life services once a month is that we will start in prayer, that we will see praise as we worship the Lord and we will experience the presence of God. Praise, prayer, and presence. Man, I'm excited. I hope you're getting excited as well. Seeing and expecting God to do something. Stephen understood. He surrendered. He said yes to the Holy Spirit. May we do the same. We need not fear the Spirit's power, but seek to simply be vessels, as Stephen was. The third indicator of Spirit-filled ministry is the indicator of opposition. This is where it doesn't get as fun. (laughs) Spirit-filled ministry will come with opposition and eventually oppression. 
We see that Stephen was seized, it says. He was grasped, and they put false witness against him. They said that he doesn't believe in Moses. He's saying all the law is is false and a farce, and that Moses was wrong, and that Moses was bad. We need to kill this guy, because he's messing it all up. He's not a good guy. But he was spirit-filled, doing miraculous and wonderful things through the power of the Holy Spirit, and it brought oppression. It brought opposition. And we see this this reality happening in the life of Stephen, but we see this happening in the history of the church as well. That when the church is moving in spirit-filled, spirit-led ministry, opposition and oppression happen every single time. And so it's a fact that when we are leading and moving in spirit-filled ministry, we will experience oppression. And I think maybe this is why we, we tend to step back and say, oh, I just, I'm going to be a little bit soft on ministry. I'm, not, I'm a little bit, ah, no, I'm okay. Life is good. I'm lackadaisical. I go to church. I read my Bible. I kick my feet up, and that's, that's all I need. But my friends, there's so much more. It will come with oppression. It will come with opposition but we cannot be afraid of that if we're going to see a revival in the church we've got to move forward in fearless faith we've got to move forward in fearless faith not fearful living and i believe god is going to give us the ability to do that because in and of ourselves in our humanity we don't want to be opposed we don't want to be oppressed but i'm telling you it's worth it to see the souls that will come to Christ because of the spirit-filled ministry. That is what we're called to, not to be afraid of it. The early church did not fear it. Stephen did not fear it. The Jews that, that gathered him were the Hellenistic Jews, the council of the freedmen. And the reason why they were so upset with Stephen is because Stephen was saying, to know God, you don't have to be a Jew. But these Hellenistic Jews, they were either slaves as Jews or they were children of slaves as Jews. And that's why they spoke Greek. They were taken out of their area. They were dispersed out from the the Hebraic Jewish culture and thrust into slavery. And they held on to their truth as Jews and said, only Jews will be saved because we believe in God. That's it. That's what it is. And here, they are more liberal in other areas in their theology. But here's where they say, Stephen, you're wrong. You can only know God if you're a Jew. And he's like, that's not really what it says, is it? And so they desire to kill him. But they can't stand up to his wisdom. He's so smart and so wise that they decide to kill him. What we see in the church is this. A martyr's blood is oftentimes the fertilizer to the church's growth. Williams says this about this opposition and oppression. He said, whether intended or not, this charge had repercussions wider than Stephen himself. The whole church would be affected in some degree, and the Christian Hellenist community in Jerusalem virtually wiped out. This oppression and this opposition that came to Stephen in this moment was only the beginning. The Hellenistic Jews would then disperse. The church would disperse from Jerusalem. And they would go and do what God had called them to do anyways. You see, they were just huddling together in Jerusalem, but God wanted them to go out to move from Jerusalem and Samaria and Judea to the ends of the earth. And it was this moment, this moment in history where Stephen was being martyred that the soil was fertilized 
for global evangelism. And we see this happen even in the CMA's history. If you've ever studied our missions movement in history, we went into Vietnam when it was not safe to go into Vietnam. There were two, uh, two families, two couples that were like, you know what, we feel like we're supposed to go to Vietnam. And there's actually a movie that's written, that has been developed about these couples. And they were martyred. They were killed and brutally beaten and annihilated in the worst type of way. But their blood was the fertilizer for the soil of great fruit in Vietnam. To see many people come to Jesus Christ. And some people stateside were like, it's over. We could never get into Vietnam ever again. We'll never see the fruit that we felt like God was saying. But it was their death, their willingness to look those who killed them in the face and say, I love you. And Jesus loves you. That brought about the transformation of an entire nation. Four people. Their blood was the fertilizer for the growth of the church in Vietnam. The same is true here in Scripture. There will be times where we experience oppression and opposition, but our response should not be quaking in fear. Our response should be those of the apostles that we saw in Acts 5, and we'll see again when they were beaten, Acts 4 rather, when they were beaten and they they were jailed, what did they do? What was their response? They rejoiced. They thanked God that they were counted among those who were beaten for the name of Jesus. Now this isn't like really fun topic conversation, right? The Bible's not always fun. It doesn't always promise everything's going to feel great and be happy, clappy, that when you really go after salvation and you really go after being spirit-filled in your ministry, in your life, in your leadership, it doesn't say that everything's going to be okay in the sense of our idea of okay. But my friends... Spirit-filled ministry, even when opposition and oppression happen, Christ is on the move. Christ cannot be stopped. Do you realize that? He cannot be stopped. And so we do not need to fear. Spirit-filled ministry will have opposition. The salvation preached for all people, like I said, was finally getting out to the world. And it was his death that led to that. The fourth indicator is the indicator of wisdom. Spirit-filled ministry displays spirit-infused wisdom. When they tried to refute what Stephen was saying, they couldn't do it. He was too filled with wisdom and too filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the Hellenistic Jews, they, were, they thought themselves really great philosophers. They thought that they had philosophy and religion locked down. And so when they came to argue with Stephen, they probably came with this arrogant thought like, this little punk is going to go down because we are so smart. And they couldn't. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't stop his words. They couldn't break the wisdom with which he was being led in. When you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit in our ministry, the same will be true John 14, 26, Jesus said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And we said this in Acts 4, point number 8, the Spirit alone has the wisdom needed for ministry. The Spirit alone has wisdom that's needed for ministry. How often do we try to speak in our own wisdom? How often do we try to bring people to salvation in our own wisdom or our own arguments? I don't know if you've seen on social media, but no one has argued anyone to change their mind yet. Ever. 
than I have ever seen. It just escalates, and people just get really angry at each other, and they unfriend people. I mean, that's a really big offense nowadays. I don't know if you know that. But it gets really ugly, and many people are relying upon their own wisdom. They're not relying upon the wisdom of the Spirit. They're acting in emotional response rather than prayerful response, saying, Holy Spirit, how am I to, to be wise in this moment? And when people ask you a question about the hope with which you have, he will give you the words to say. As I was reminded you guys a couple weeks ago in Luke 12, 11 through 12, it says this, And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you are ought to say. He's got it locked down. He's got it. But too often we try to arrest control, don't we? Too often we try to do it in, in and of our own power. And that is a dangerous place because we will always mess it up. It's like me and plumbing. It shouldn't ever happen. Don't ever ask me to come over and help you with anything plumbing. Because then you will have no water and no sewer ever again. We cannot rely upon ourselves. We need to rely upon the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone. And the fifth indicator of Holy Spirit-filled ministry is the indicator of reflection. Spirit-filled ministry reflects the glory of Christ to the world. You see, Jesus said in the upper room discourse in John 14 through 16 that the Holy Spirit's main role is to glorify Christ. Through all the signs, through all the wonders, through all the power ministry that was happening, the goal was not to glorify Stephen. The goal was, the goal was not to make the church super awesome in the place that, that you needed to go as the hip thing to do. It was pointing to the glory of Jesus Christ. And we see this modeled in Stephen's life where he had the face of an angel. Now, why is this important for us to capture in this moment? First is because he was showing the glory of Jesus to that, that group of people. But also because God was doing something kind of hilarious as well. And we can miss this. And here's what's going on. These Jews were saying that he, Stephen, was going against everything that Moses stood for. They're saying, you know what? He's going against everything that Moses ever believed. He's trying to say that it all should crumble to the ground. And here, God is making his face shine with the glory of God. If you look back at Scripture, you see that when Moses was in the presence of God, he came down from the mountain and his face was shining with the glory and the presence of God. So much so that he had to put a veil over his face because it was too powerful. It was too impactful and the people too sinful. And so here God is making his face glow like he made the face of Moses glow, basically saying to this group of people, he's on my side. Here you go. Let me make his face a giant light bulb so you can understand that the presence and the glory of God is upon him. And you know what? They still missed it. They still missed it. He was like, you know what? All I can do is do everything that I've been doing to get you religious people to understand that Jesus is the king. But their religious views and their religiosity hindered them from real relationship. Warren Wearsby said, It was not even necessary for Stephen to speak in order to give witness, for the very glow on his face told everybody that he was a servant of God. When you and I are spirit-filled, the world will know it. 
Because God's presence will be with us. God's presence will be upon us. God's presence will be in the words that we speak and people will feel the presence of God with us. It's like my favorite statement in Ephesians that will be the aroma of Christ. I always tell the story of my really smelly kindergarten teacher who wore way too much floral perfume and when you hugged her, you'd smell like her all day long. Right? You know some of the people that are like that. But when we spend time with God, the same thing happens. We have the glory of God shining upon our face. It might not be a giant light bulb, right, like this moment. But people will look at our countenance and say, what's different about you? What's different? They might not say you smell different. That's probably a good thing. (laughs) But they will see upon our countenance the glory of God. But too often we look at this in a religious aspect and not relational. And religious people often miss the moves of the Spirit because it doesn't fit their box. What was happening in Stephen's life and Stephen's ministry did not fit the Hellenistic Jews' box. And these guys were super religious people. Many commentators over and over again said that Paul was most likely part of this council. And Paul said, I was the Jew of Jews. I was the best religious Jew that anyone could ever imagine. But still, God broke his box when Jesus knocked him off his high horse. It's important that we remember that spirit-filled ministry walks in relationship and not religion. It's not about the do's and the don'ts. It's not about putting God in a box. It's saying, God, there is no box. You could do whatever you want to do. I want to follow where you're going. I want to listen to your voice. I want to be led by your spirit. I want to be filled with the empowerment to do what you've called me to do. I'm tired of trying to put it all into some really big box or really small box. Because every time we do that, God is going to explode our box. So let's just let him be God and just say, do whatever you want to do. We can't control God anyways. May we simply say yes. May we simply surrender to what he is doing in our lives. May we be led and spirit-filled so that we can do the ministry with which we've been called to do. Because we will not see fruit in our individual lives or in our ecclesiastical life without the Spirit leading and guiding and empowering. May we seek to be Spirit-filled in our ministries and in our church and in our families. May we see these five indicators of favor, power, opposition, wisdom, and reflection in our ministries. When we are Spirit-filled and Spirit-led, there will be a great harvest. Let's pray. Heavenly